Hey everyone, Jay here. I just wanted to say that we've got some really cool artwork for this episode, so you're going to want to click through to the show notes to check out the full version of the image, which we'll be showing in your podcatcher right now. Our thanks go out to Yuri Keynes on Twitter for working with us to create this piece of art. Anyway, on with the show. So uh, the next thing we're going to do with uh, G and Squidge is, uh, well, let me give you an intro. I did write it, but I'm a terrible writer and I'm an even worse reader. So wish me luck, everyone. So (laughs) with games like Diablo and Borderlands, among many, 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 many others, offer you the ability to craft a character in almost whatever way you want. With seemingly endless possibilities, it seems that you could craft a heavy with a love for pressing flowers or a shy, introverted metalhead with tendencies to eat couches in one sitting. Sounds about right. So what... Yeah, right? So what what I hope that we could kind of discuss and chat a little bit about today is the many different ways that some of your favourite games... Because you see Squidge and G do this a lot. I don't tend to... um, I tend to sort of like play through the game and go, that was loads of fun. Um, but then there's this whole other side of the game that is as much fun, if not more, that I've never experienced. So I thought that Squidge and G could talk to talk to us a little bit about the many different ways that they've sort of expanded on their favorite games by creating these seemingly daft combinations of characters. But actually, although it was initially really daft, it makes the game so much more... Uh, fun and engrossing to play and hopefully that'll give you an idea of their different play styles as well so i thought maybe we could we could do that how do you feel about that i feel uh dear listeners may be traumatized by my idea of play style (laughs) i'm good good man less less of the wacky guy but more of the uh surprising ways to play it i've got it's less wacky. well the, the reactions i got were very mixed when i showed off these particular builds um so sure. to, to, to the company of sometimes of how the hell did you do that you know so so i think i think perhaps the first thing we should do is describe the difference between like a a game that allows you to make a number of changes to your character and a game that allows you to make these specific builds right so um things like a standard uh western rpg like say uh dungeons and dragons is probably a good way to describe a bit of both. Like you get a character class to choose from and a race and a, a, a gender to choose from and you can change the hair color and all that kind of stuff. But then once you've, that's the character customization, but it's the customization of the play style we're talking about, right? Mm. So like you might have an, a character who should be an archer, but you give them a sword and see what happens, right? Is that the kind of thing we're talking about? Ish, yeah. Uh, it it can be, yeah, certainly. Uh, my mind immediately goes to the Demon Hunter Impale build from Diablo 3. Yeah. Demon Hunter, right from the off, you're set up. Essentially, the Demon Hunter plays with bows and crossbows. That's the mindset that you get into for most of the game. And then once you get to know the character and the weapons that become available to that character... Um, there was a very specific 
dagger whose name completely escapes me right at this particular point. But suddenly you could turn him into this close-range stabby machine. Uh, and it's a monster. It's one of the strongest builds in the game. Glorious. Um, is what it is. It's absolutely glorious. And yeah, the, the, the way that it took you away from something that was so heavily set into not necessarily the, the fundamentals or the basis of the character, but certainly the perception of the demon hunter. Most of the skills give you this. You know, the whole point of your character is to stab things from a long way away. And it, it just, it was, yeah, very, very different. Um, and great fun once you got to do it. Mm. It was just a pain in the bum until you knew how easy it was to get that dagger. Yeah. I remember I remember the first time I tried to make that character. And I spent probably a week and a half trying to farm for that bloody dagger. And then I can't remember which instructional video I happened across, but somebody went, oh, and if you're struggling to find this dagger, it's really easy. The moment you get <laughs> the moment you get the Haradric cube, it's essentially um, one of only two daggers that you can create with it. So you can just get it from level one, pretty much. Yeah. And it was like, mother yeah, <laughs> it was vexing and yet hilarious. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah, definitely transformed the, uh, the the play style of that particular class within within that game. Um, and the same can be said of most looter shooters nowadays. Any kind of skill based or RPG element um, looter shooter will have the occasional blend of tools and skills that will just transform the way you play. Um, and it will either be just a, a horrific death machine or something designed, generally in my specific instances, something designed to do as much damage to the retinas of my fellow players <laughs> as possible. Yeah. I am, of course, referring to my infamous Borderlands 2 um, Psycho Flame of the Firehawk yeah. build. The Flame of the Firehawk sends out it's a, a shield in Borderlands 2. Legendary shield. You get it as a reward um, from one of the quests. So it's a guaranteed get. Um, the, the quality of which is uh, mutable dependent on how lucky you are, how how tight your affiliation with RNG is. However, um, if you get a good one, this fire nova that it produces is, uh, well, certainly it'll, it'll fill your screen. And in, in my instance, I deliberately farmed for the very best and therefore for everybody else, the very worst flame of the firehawk that I could find simply because I was determined to equip it on my psycho Krieg who has a skill apparently deliberately set up for use with things like flame of the firehawk um, wherein you had 
the the main skill trees, but you also have the was it the badass bar ranks, ranks yeah. the bar, yeah. And with those, you could make minor adjustments to certain in-game stats that weren't part of your skill set, but they were things like um, reload speed, um, shield regeneration rate, and in particular for Krieg, uh, shield regeneration delay. Um, And it was something that... if I remember correctly, it was tied into his skills and his badass ranks. So the moment this shield drops, it sends out this repeated pulsing nova, expanding dome of fire. And it does so every second or so, I think. And as soon as your shield starts to regenerate, it stops doing that nova. And on most normal characters, that's quite a handy little get-out-of-jail-free card if you're in a bit too over your head, you've rushed round, kited a few too many enemies, blah, blah, blah. It's a nice little, it'll cull, it'll certainly cull a few of the, the minor ads. However, when you put it on Krieg, if you'd built him the right way, I had it so that my shield was off for, on average, Sorry. on average, that was my phone. Sorry you disgust me. This is the second time his phone's gone off in this whole thing. <laughs> Bloody professional. He's quiet, though. I That's do. what I don't get. He's on quiet. <laughs> if you equip this shield to my Krieg, he was specifically designed so that on average I would run around with this Nova going off once every second or so. I, I could comfortably go 10 to 15 minutes with it doing this. Um, generally, the only reason that I would stop exploding was simply because we'd run out of enemies. Um, there are a lot more effective ways to use um, some of Krieg's uh, explosive skills. Certainly the blood explosion-centered builds were insane. But frankly, I used the Bane by choice. I play for annoyance. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. So, the, yeah, the 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 flame of the firehawk build for my Krieg was I I still I get slightly misty eyed and nostalgic about that, and I might that might be something I go back to, to tonight. <laughs> and it, it's not slightly misty eyed for nostalgia. It's basically he thinks of what happened and his eyes start screaming. Yeah, it's just retinal damage. Mm. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> And that was the guy playing it, everyone else who saw it. I mean, I remember the first time he showed me, he took me to the part of the game where you get that shield and he went, check this out. And he started doing it and I backed up. And all I basically saw was there was a bunch of enemies in a row and then this this reddy yellow ball orb of death went forward and everything died. So I, I referred to it as the disco ball of death. It's it's really good. I should imagine from a from a certainly from a distant spectator's point of view, it's great because you can just kind of sit there casually looking over the landscape and just see this explode. This you know the the top portion of the mushroom cloud every second or so <laughs> as I run around kiting everything. And honestly, I just stand there for most of it. I wouldn't even shoot or hatch it. Well, buzz or anything. 
almost never used my ultimate, my super, whatever, my you know, skill. character skill, class skill. I just never bothered because most of my character was geared specifically towards making my shield fall down and start exploding. Even to the point where, thanks to a shotgun, uh, was it the Orphan Maker? Yeah. The shotgun from the Captain Scarlet's DLC, which was a double barrel shotgun. Um, but it fired essentially two rounds per shot, so it became a single round shotgun, and you'd then reload. Except every time you fire it, it inflicts damage on you. And inflicting damage on you, or receiving damage, prevents your shield from regenerating. So it was a great little get out, uh, again, if you wanted to keep this going for however long, because, I don't know, you can't be bothered to wait the three seconds for the shield to recharge and then drop again. It was a great way to keep this Nova going, just running from one mob of enemies to the next, occasionally firing a shotgun that would take a few HP off your character, but keep the effect going. Um so yeah, I, sh- I should imagine, certainly in um, some of the sort of bandit camps, it made for quite hilarious viewing because there's just this little, as I say, the top portion of a, a mushroom cloud going off every second or so and bandits dying everywhere as I rush from building to building. <laughs> it, it, it suited me so well. Um, I mean, Krieg was probably my favourite character of the lot for that game so that should tell you enough really shouldn't it <laughs> oh dear that shotgun was definitely an enabler that shotgun mm, yeah definitely absolutely if if you're in a game with him and he whipped that shotgun out you just had to put sunglasses on you knew what was coming mm. <laughs> turn the brightness down it's gonna kick off yeah Diablo as well. The Diablo series, I, I've often gone for annoyance and comedy over anything else. <laughs> um, seems like back in the day territory already. Diablo 2, I um, had a, a necromancer build, <laughs> which, courtesy of the way that I had constructed it, would crash other people's games for them <laughs> because I ran an a skeletal army of obscene proportions. Um, And this was for almost the entire country, uh, well, for almost the entire world, was pre-broadband. It was not good to people's computers. (laughs) It was hilarious for me, because, again, I just kind of, oh, look, there's a dead thing. I'll raise a skeleton. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And I just do that for a few minutes and then that's it. Yeah, toddle off and stand in the middle of the mayhem. And that's that's often my gameplay style. So, uh, yeah, I'm more for chaos builds a lot of the time. That was very similar to, I can't remember if it's a mage, but is it the Nova Shock that fires on the ground and goes in different directions? Oh yeah. yeah. You, could, you yeah. could make a build where it consisted of entirely that. You just spam the same button. And back in the day, mm. it caused your PC to slow down. Anyone connected to you, it was a nightmare. Nowadays, not a problem. <laughs> but back then, it's sort of, you just hear someone go, would you stop that? <laughs> mm. 
yeah, uh, Diablo three. You you often hear people talking about like pet builds and turret builds and all the rest of it. And I say, oh yeah, I, I run a I run a turret build, and it's not your classic turret build. My build is not <laughs> not for people who value sight. <laughs> um, it, again, it was specifically designed so that I ran. Um, let me see. It was Elemental Arrow. Oh, that one. Um, yeah. Oh. <laughs> see, Squidge has played with this character. <laughs> He's covering his eyes. Yeah. Covering his eyes. Yeah. Of the memory of it. Understandable. <laughs> uh, yeah, Elemental Arrow with a specific bow and series of um, skills equipped so that instead of firing an Elemental Arrow, it fired Ball Lightning which travels extremely slowly. However, through the cunning use of certain skills, I had five turrets available to me rather than three. They were polar station, so they slowed enemies naturally. Um, But they also fired my secondary skill except Elemental Arrow, courtesy of the bow that I had, was a primary skill when it should have been a secondary. By default, it's a secondary skill. So it counted, and essentially I had five turrets plus myself firing exceedingly slow-traveling ball lightning all across. Essentially, the screen was mine, and you were allowed in it if you were lucky. And that's the people in my party the enemies were just it it was it was one of those ones where you kind of set up for the set up for the damage phase that was it 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 was ah, not the way the people play turret builds the build he used before that before the elemental arrows he had a 30% chance was it the chakram no no this was a different one the the skills he had set up before he figured this one is any enemy he killed, he had a 30% chance of turning them into a lightning shock generator. So that explode and then a rod would be on the floor and you had bolts of lightning flying all over the place. Yeah. And he upped that percentage from 30 to 76. So you just saw rods <laughs> everywhere with lightning flying everywhere. To which point I sort of rocked up yeah. and went, do I even need to do anything? Because it was just lightning flying everywhere. Essentially, uh, certainly once I I switched up to this um, elemental arrow lightning orb thing, my main aim was not worrying about loot or survival. It was filling the entire screen with lightning. (laughs) And I could do that. It was good. (laughs) Yeah. Chaos builds. Whereas when it, when it comes to things like Diablo, I tend to, I know a lot of people don't do this, but I tend to make builds where more is less, or less is more, whatever the hell is. So the least I had to do, the better. So it was it was it was it was passive skill heavy and one attack skill. That's it. That's how I do things. So I've got two mem well three memorable builds that I rocked, and one that I consistently still run now. One of them was when I was originally started getting into the idea of making builds, getting a top level character, farming stuff. 
uh, G introduced me into, as a demon hunter, you can have a pet build. So there's a, a set armor set where you can have all your summoned pets out at once. So you get like a attack buff, a defense buff, the pick up all the, the ammo for you. You could, you could have all these different buffs. You could add a certain chess piece where as one of your pets, you could have a wolf out and it would chuck out two extra wolves. And then when they introduce the unique gems from the rifts, you could power up your pet damage. So all you'd have to do is run and your pets would automatically track enemies and kill them. So you just wander through, you know, just, just strolling through a rift, strutting everything dying type thing. So that was my original build. Then when they introduced the, the expansion pack, which gave you a crusader, I found a, a specific build that I, f I followed an online tutorial thing for, and it's called the Captain America build. <laughs> Jeez, laughing already. You you could have mm. a two-handed weapon in one hand and a shield in the other. Now, a Crusader, they're meant to have, classically, in, in Doom, they're meant, uh, Doom, in Diablo 3, they're meant to have a flail and a shield. And a lot of the skills revolved around the shield. And the shield was massive. It was, like, from their foot to their head. It was, like, proper blocking. One of the things you could do is you could throw a shield. This particular build, what it did was when you threw the shield, it would not take up primary resource, which was, I can't remember what it was for the Crusader. Then it would, once you hit an enemy, it'd split into three and hit more enemies. And if you're using other skills, the shield throw skill would generate your primary resource. So it wouldn't take anything up and it'd generate more, which meant your other skills you could generate with. And it was primarily for the areas where there was a ton of enemies. You threw one shield or you held the button and then shields would fly everywhere and everything would die. So you'd, just have a, you'd have a screen full of shields. You'd have to play it slightly differently when you got to like the Rift boss. It was a different way of doing it. But yeah, it was affectionately called a Captain America shield. And you stood there, pushed a button. It didn't matter where you threw it. And shields would fly everywhere and they'd break off and there'd be more and more and more. So, like, G had his elemental, very slow lightning orbs. I'd just throw shields. That was that was definitely a good one for me, but not as good. And I remember showing this particular build to G when he came around to my house once. It's called the multi-shot build oh. for the Demon Hunter. Now, the multi-shot build is built up where your primary resource would... Um, you could build up your primary resource very insanely fast. And you could use a multi-shot which was you you shot a cluster of arrows and it spread out in a triangle in front of you. Okay? Now, you could build up your resource insanely fast. Your multi-shot did, like, 400% extra damage. You could fire the multi-shot 70% faster. You could dodge, which buffed your multi-shot and defense. And you had different little skills that buffed your defense and attack on top of everything you had. So you'd you'd vault twice, which was your your dodging skill. You'd fire in a direction, everything in that, that direction would die. Then you dodge to the next screen, fire everything would die, and dodge to the next screen. So it was insanely fast how you did it. And yeah, that was that was a, a boss hunter build as well. So it worked. Yeah. The the idea was you kind of ignored the trash mobs the ads, the little red bars, and you went specifically hunting for the champions, the elites, and the packs. Um, because that would then, again, it would buff your 
um, output um, to frankly insane levels so it was like you wouldn't just with one multi-shot you could if you were moving quickly enough you could clear your screen and then move on to the next screen before your multi-shot had left your original screen and clear that it was just amazing yeah absolutely hilarious and i I, i'm not ashamed to admit i i have temporarily abandoned my uh turrets of chaos for, for the multi-shot build because it was just well I, i'm not even sure i'm playing a game i'm just exploring a map now <laughs> why are all these corpses here when i when i first <laughs> developed it i showed chief now chief doesn't play diablo 3 and he gets confused quite easily and i showed him a run and it <laughs> i think that's unfair to say con- considering the stuff i'm showing him and he doesn't I've have met a clip, chief right okay and I showed him it, and I did an entire rift in 50 seconds. And the first thing he said to me was, what just happened? <coughs> and I went through, and I showed him slowly and explained stuff. And his response to that was, uh, this is ridiculous. You know, his classic response to a lot of things. <laughs> and then I remember G came around, and I showed him. And I did five separate runs, and I had to slow down every single time so you could see what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> and this, these weren't they weren't exactly low level rifts. These were really high level rifts that I was just absolutely shooting through. To which point, I'd always get do that again. Show me again, so I can see what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, is there any way we can limit the frame rate on this thing? <laughs> oh, if if you went too quick, frame rate issues was abundant. Um, <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't even be you'd see the enemies. You'd just see clouds of blood as they exploded and you run by. <laughs> so it was like you were tiptoeing through blood explosions, mm. you know, going very yeah. quickly. But I liked it when you'd get death animations without there having been time for the enemies to appear on your screen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you get like the, the corpses falling to the ground, but they hadn't been there. You get the the sound of them dying, but they weren't there to start with. The game just spawned dead bodies. That's what it kind of looked like. Yeah. Especially Diablo 3 builds, there's always fun ones you can do. Um... For, for the term of shits and giggles, you've got um, the Witch Doctor's good for uh, pet builds, really good for pet builds. There's a particular type of build. It's a variation of a pet build that I love doing on a Witch Doctor. And what eventually happens is you have three miniature gargantuans. Now, gargantuans are like voodoo, well, sentient bodies, right? So they're, they're these things that you spawn, they've got bandages all over, and their primary purpose is to walk over to an enemy and twock them. <laughs> Double-handed axe handle. Boof, that's their that's their purpose, right? Then you had zombie dogs. You had multiple of them, and they would go up and they would they would kill people. Now, you'd normally have one gargantuan and about five dogs, if anything. So what you do is you turn the build on its head so you'd have three gargantuans and one massive dog that did a huge amount of damage. And on top of this, you'd have a certain they call mojo, so left-handed weapon. So things that are buffy skills and a right-handed weapon, which was a dagger. And what you'd do is you'd set off 
um, a curse. So if you went near enemies, they'd be cursed, right? You double that with the fact that you could turn yourself into a chicken. <laughs> right? When you were a chicken, your movement speed went through the roof. Okay? In what universe would turning yourself into a chicken be a positive? This, this build is quicker than the multi-shot build for clearing things. So what you do is you time it so you put the curse on, you turn into a chicken, and you just run through the battlefield. Now, what would happen is all your familiars, so your one giant dog and your three gargantuans, they would catch up eventually. But when they catch up, because everything you run by is cursed, they take like 3,000% more damage. Your pets had hit them, they'd die, and then they'd get dragged to you. So like on a chain, like on a lead, and they get dragged to you. And as yeah. they're being dragged, they kill stuff. So you tend to a chicken, you run through, and then the trail you leave behind are alive for precisely half a second, and then they die. And you could even do this with bosses. You tend to a chicken, you run around in circles to continually like curse it so they take more damage, and your pets would just pile in. So the whole point of that build is turn into a chicken and run like f Yeah, it's, it's a strange one where you turn your character into the support for your NPC pets. How you're supposed to do that skill is you turn enemies in a certain radius around you into chickens so you could kill them quicker. But a set dagger and the call mojos for uh, witch doctors would turn you into the chicken would turn you into the hex of a chicken so you wouldn't hex anyone else you'd hex, your hex yourself and then run for it and it's always funny because occasionally if you've got the sound on you'd hear the chicken start to cluck as it's running <laughs> as it's running it starts to cluck and then you just run for it and things just die around you so it's uh it's a very comical build not one for pushing rifts, but one for certainly dick around. <laughs> mm. Okay, definitely a good one. Okay, so so we talked a little bit about Diablo and Borderlands, but are there any other games that you would do this with? Like, is it specifically looter shooters, or can you do it with RPGs? Mass Effect? What's the... Oh yes, yes, Mass definitely, Effect, yes. definitely. Um, certainly with Dragon Age as well as a franchise, you've historically been able to build highly customizable characters. But with Mass Effect, for me, that was certainly Mass Effect 2 in particular. <laughs> I have probably told this story before, but I arrived upon the Mass Effect series in the middle of the, the, the original trilogy. I obtained a version uh, via the internet. Enjoyed it so much, I immediately purchased the game properly and played it through again. And then I enjoyed it so much that I'd actually got into it and realized that you could port a character from the first game into the second game. So I, did, I went and got the original game, played through that, built my character, ported it, and can I just diverge slightly here? The transformation that took place from a lot of seemingly minor plot points, um, even down to random NPCs appearing in the second game from the first game, was incredible. It blew my mind. Mm. But yes, the, the, the customization of your character was superb um initially i went with the the classic soldier 
because I wasn't that au fait with the systems in Mass Effect. Um, but biotic builds, the, the, they were just insane. Absolutely insane. What was it? The, was there a Sentinel, was it called, where you could charge in and use, like, abs- you had this this one particular skill that enabled you to charge in whilst charging your attack power. Um, and you would just do this incredible burst damage. Um, yeah. And it was so useful for taking down all the, the heavier um, enemies within the game. And it just, the fact that in Mass Effect 2 you had, uh, well, not just Mass Effect 2, but um, that you have the um, NPC teammates who give or take a few areas of map actually behave fairly intelligently and responsibly, but can also be directed by yourself Mm. at the same time. So, so good. Yes. So for definitely mass effect for for some sort of context, imagine your character when going into a, a battle, you could tell your two teammates to like hide behind cover and shoot there or follow you blindly in or wait back. Imagine, Mm. You set your two teammates on strategic points where they can like ambush the enemy from a side. And when the enemy come hurtling towards you, you turn from Commander Shepard to uh, Shao Kahn from Mortal Kombat 3, where you just ram into people and they fly everywhere. Imagine, uh, imagine a group of enemies hurtling towards you, right? And you're Taz the Timanian Devil. And you just hurtle through them in a whirlwind. That's essentially what happens. You just go, mm-hmm. right, you're getting knocked over and you can knock into people and they'd knock into other people and they go flying as well. And the fact that like you were able to customize the skill trees for everyone in the game made for a far more rounded and player designed experience. Um, you could engage um, in the combat um, episodes of the game in a fashion that really suited you best. And as you just touched upon, the fact that you could swap control. It wasn't you were stuck as Commander Shepard. You could swap to one of your NPCs and direct others. You know, call out targets, designate targets for them to start attacking and... uh, so well done. So, so good. I applaud you. I applaud you, Bioware, for that one. I remember the <laughs> first time I experienced that particular build. Someone had their their build, so they were the Sentinel. The Command Shepard was the Sentinel. They had Kyle with them, who was a Sentinel, but he was a, a heavy tech user, but you could use him as a Sentinel. And you had, for the second game, I think it was the DLC character, the Hunter, in the orange armor. He'd set it up where he had this build where he could just rush in and send people flying. And so could Kyle. And so could the DLC character. So there was a specific video where there was a boss hurtling towards him, and he set up his two characters where he plays Commander Shepard. He'd knock the boss back, taking a good chunk of his health off. Then the one on the left would do exactly the same, the one on the right would do exactly the same, and then Commander Shepard had charged up. So essentially what had happened was the boss came hurtling towards him, and the boss turned into a pinball. Mm. <laughs> and the guy added the sound effects in. I never laughed so hard in my life. But yet, you could do crazy builds on Mass Effect, especially the second one. the The second one introduced if you use tech abilities, 
like push or throwing like the equivalent of like fireballs, that kind of thing. You could, you didn't have to have indirect sight. You could fire it in a curve. In the first game, you couldn't, which made that kind of build really difficult. But in the second one, you could have so much fun. You could troll every enemy in the game mm-hmm. quite easily doing that. And it was so fun. Really was fun. What I personally liked doing was I, I was like the heavy, designated as the heavy. So I'd, I'd get all the attention. Someone had cast extra arm on me and I'd go hurtling in. So I had a shotgun and I'd go hurtling in, getting their attention. And then I'd have one person doing buffs on the other two, and I'd have the third person either sniping or using mind abilities from the side. So I'd run in, getting their attention, and then they'd suddenly ping off the screen because they'd been pushed or thrown or hurtled towards me, and then I'd shoot them out the air with a shotgun, just like fish in a barrel. And that worked up until I can't remember which boss it was where no techniques at work on it. So I had to ad hoc try and get two of the people at my heavies and try and work from there, and it was really difficult to get by. But that was that was my... I was the heavy. Someone had sneaky shooting from the side, another person would buff everyone and heal them. That was my way of playing it. But the... I, I called it the shoulder tackle build, because all you did was go, <laughs> bang! Knock him with your shoulder, and they go flying. Then you target someone else. The recharge on it was really fast. So you go, bang, ten, bang, ten, bang, and then they just go flying. It's like pinging the enemies all over the place. Mm. Oh, it was it was insane. Those builds were brilliant. It took a little knowledge to get them up and getting certain armors and certain weapons helped, especially earlier mm-hmm. on. But when you were like four or five levels in, you could start doing it and they'd get pushed back a little bit. And then a couple of levels later, they'd just go flying. Oh, it was hilarious. The way that you could take it from just being the standard soldier class and getting used to the game's mechanic and then going back in um, and really exploring those systems uh, for the skills was definitely um, a, a highly customizable experience. And as I said, you know, it was a, a something that enabled you to play in a very player-centric fashion. You didn't have to worry about the fact that your teammates' skills were all set up for a different character different person um because you could make it so that your characters all of your team were working in an effective fashion um and supporting each other's um iterative effects uh was just it was so good you could kind of as Squidge has just said, you know, you could set the, the boss up with your your wingmate, your wingman, and then just you would be the bowling ball, you would be the finisher. Uh, perfection, really, really well implemented. It was also the fact that if you did it right, you could. There was a certain part where you could reset everyone's skills. You could reset your own skills at any point, I think, hmm. but you had to go to a certain person to reset other people's skills and if you went there with the characters you were definitely going to play as all the way through you could have one build and you could set your other two characters for other builds so every character could have a specific build and because you can micromanage which only took seconds to tell them to do something you could run in be the distraction and then they could wreck them from a distance oh it was it was once you got that 
that right mix, it was sweet to a point where anyone said, oh, I'm going to take you out. You just have a smile on your face. <laughs> I'd like to see you try. Oh, this is going to be good. You're going through that window. Do you realize that? <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you could call your shots, couldn't you? I'm pretty sure at one point you could actually knock them through windows as well. I think it was a certain a certain part on the Citadel station near the beginning. I'm sure you could. You could yeah. um, push them over ledges and stuff. Yeah. Oh, it was. Oh, it was just brilliant. That was that's Mass mm. Effect Two. You could you could do it on Mass Effect Three as well, but Two is where you could have the most fun with it. Two Vithefield was really the pinnacle. Yeah. And that's about all I have to say about that. <laughs> I've 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 got up a, a particular build in uh, Borderlands Two that I'd like to go back to because I think a chance it was, um, and it's something that G himself pointed me towards. I was a very heavy. It wasn't for the nec- uh, the Necromancer, but I played as the Necromancer Gage a lot, and I tended to put a lot of my skills on Death Trap, which was her floating mechanical companion. So he'd do stuff like he'd heal you, he'd, he'd put like a recharge beam on, he'd res you if you were down and fight for your life. He would, if you shot him with an element of a weapon, he would use that element. He would go head first into battle. You could have a quick recharge, so by the time he's finished, you could pull him up again. But that had a downside where you were very much a squishy. And in certain boss battles, it could be, because you couldn't tell him what target to attack. So he'd go off, and if it was any small targets, he'd attack them before the boss. So, you know, it had its ups and downs. And then i re-roll that to make it more half-gauge was survivable, and then Death Trap had better skills. And then that was all I played as. And I dabbled with a few of the characters, and G said to me, have you played as a Gunzerker yet? And I said, what's a Gunzerker? <laughs> and a Gunzerker is a smaller guy, right? But he he specialises in weaponry. And his special skill is whatever you had bound to either one and three, two or four, if you're playing PC or console, up, down, and left and right, he'd bring out both weapons at the same time and you'd shoot. So near the beginning when you were leveling up, you could have one as an assault rifle and one as, say, a rocket launcher. So if, if you're in a, a fight for your life situation, you, you'd still have this going and you'd fire someone right in front of you with a rocket launcher and you get straight back up on your feet, which took... G to tell me that was a, a viable solution for me to realise that and I played the game for a year at this point I didn't think mm-hmm. if I'm fighting for my life hit someone with a rocket launcher and I'm back on my feet again so I didn't even think about that but he said there's a specific way you can build the gun Zerka. and I sort of said right I'm listening and he said where you can start the skill right and by the time you finish the skill it recharge again mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I'm interested. And he said, but you can also you can also have it where you don't have to reload your weapon. Because every time you get a critical hit, which if you're doing it right, either with shotguns or some widespread thing, you're always going to get a critical hit. It adds more bullets to your clip than you're expending. And I thought, okay. And he said, on top of that, you regenerate ammo for all the weapons that you've got equipped at the same time. Right as well as pushback damage, and you can set things on fire and blow things up at the same time. At which point I said, I need this build now. <laughs> and he said, oh, and you can you can get this build comfortably working by about level 16, so really early in the game. And I was level 30 at this point, and I said, tell me how, show me how, I need this build, I need this build now. And I, I tend from playing as like a heavy support character to, you know, there's a mob running towards me. 
and and I just heard you go, oh, oh, they're coming for me again. And you just hear me yelling hammer, the war cry of my people, as I'm hurtling forward, equipping both weapons and shooting anything that moved. Is this where the war cry of your people came from? No, that came no. from... Um, that came Dungeon from Defenders. Dungeon Defenders, yeah. But I certainly used it in Borderlands 2. <laughs> and that, we always got the same reaction. I put on like the type thing, the team chat that came up on screen. I'd have just hammer, all in caps, right? And I'd start that and hurtle into battle. And there was always the same question every time. Time? And then G put, no, that's the war cry of his people. And <laughs> by the time he'd finished typing that, you'd see bodies flying and there'd be explosions and all sorts of stuff. And he'd go, oh, hang on, I've got to go help him. He's down on one knee because he took on too many. He'd run in. Get me back on my feet, at which point my skill would recharge, so I'd do the skill again and I'd start blasting away. Yeah, I seem to remember we specifically would pair up when you were playing the Gunzerker. I'd often play my Zero, who was a close range uh, pistol or melee. No, it was the melee build I was running on that one. Yeah, it was um, the sneaky invisible melee. Zero's, Zero's class skill, you can turn invisible. So I would just run in, be invisible, res him. Job done. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> there's the enemy. You go have fun. I'll I'll mop up afterwards. And there's me going mm. ah, running in. You know, but literally both barrels blazing. <laughs> but occasionally, yeah. G go. Oh, I know where to get a rare weapon from, and it's really going to help you. I just go take me there. <laughs> it doesn't matter what enemy it is. I will kill it. Take me there. We'll get. We'll both get one of those weapons, mm-hmm. and I'd I'd rock that build through every DLC. Oh, it's a new DLC. I'll brush off the guns, there, shall I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd loved zero. Frankly, zero was my prime, my initial main for the for Borderlands two, mm. and I kind of played through my initial run just as a kind of mix and match. I wasn't sure what I was doing. And then Tell someone figured out a new build, we give it a go, and then I'd stick with it for three years. Well, I, I stuck yeah. with I went with um the pistol build initially because boar, yeah, the boar, <laughs> the skill. single most overpowered oh. skill in the entire game. There's one enemy in the game called the bunker, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens is you go up to the top of a tech, you're trying to break into Handsome Jack's base of operations where you could turn off a specific thing. I'm not going to ruin any story, so no spoilers. But you had to destroy a bunker. Now, Handsome Jack quite quite epically said, you're an idiot if you think that the bunker was one little thing you could switch off. I've turned it into a mobile defense unit. So it was a, a floating fortress that I fire at you. Now, when you're playing the Zero, as it's flying around before it starts attacking you, there's a small triangle. Get the triangle right, Okay a small triangle that you could hit. And if you zoomed in and you got used to it, you could hit this triangle. Now, the boar skill, what it'd do is if anything had armor, it'd pass through the armor and bounce about a bit to create more damage. Now, this specific triangle was a weak spot. And if you shot a bullet, it'd bounce around to a point where someone said, here's how useful this skill is. We'll give you a level 60 character, which is the max level, with a starting pistol. Mm. which had like 20 damage, right? And this was on true Vault Hunter mode where the the, the health went up by about four times. He said, here's a single pistol with a starter pistol. Watch this. Fired it. Within half a second, the health bar was gone. 
Yeah, bunker, bunker. Uh, when you play it the first time, is quite the quite a boss. Um, there's a lot going on in that in that stage, that arena of the of the map, um, and it gets quite hectic if you're not managing it properly. Um, but with a boar based uh, zero character, you can literally one shot the boss. It's over before it begins. Because it was it was a glitch, I think, in the way that Bunker had been built as an asset, in that this particular triangle was a gap in the armor. So you could you destroyed a turret that was on the triangle, but your rounds, because of bore, didn't just go through armor. They passed through enemies, except it counted the armor on the inside as armor on a new enemy and it would ricochet off that armor and all around the inside of bunker and you would just watch this bar just drop 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 gone and that was it suddenly it's falling out of the sky and you <laughs> often you haven't even finished hearing jack gloating about how bunkers this <laughs> death fortress in the sky it's like um all right i'll just <laughs> sit here and wait it started off and someone sort of figured out the build and they, they showed it off with a sniper rifle. And it was a couple of attempts and they went, in this attempt I got it and they showed you it and the bullet hit and it went round and it went down. And then obviously, as the internet goes, someone went, I can one-up that. Mm-hmm. I'll try and do it with a pistol, quick aiming. And then someone said, well, I'll explain how to build this with a starter pistol on the hardest difficulty at the time that there was. Watch this, bang. And then it just sort of like the bunker went down and then on screen it just said mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you could make insane builds. I really loved Zero's Kunai build as well. Yeah. Which focused mostly on oh. his class skill um, as opposed to oh. uh, semi-latent skill like Boar. Um, so... In in Zero's case, as I've mentioned, his his class skill you could turn invisible, um, and you could send out a little sort of digital copy of yourself to um, taunt enemies, and they would obviously start firing at that. You sneak off, regen your shields, regen your health, job done. Except you could also do this thing where, um, while using your class skill, you could fire these kunai throwing knives, which did all of the elements at once um and it was this really often quite fine balancing act because you wanted to get close to kite as many enemies as possible to get the attention of every enemy that you could however the splash damage from your kunai if you use them too close would immediately down you but Again, it was a boss killer. It was just this incredible burst damage that was just... You erase things. So to put that into context, in Borderlands, especially Borderlands 2, it wasn't so much in the first one explained, but from the second one onwards, you had corrosive weaponry, which is good against metallic enemies, so robots. You had um, electric weaponry, which could down shield quickly. And you had um, the three major elements. The third one was fire, which was really good against human flesh. Now, and there was a couple of other elements. I, I can't quite remember them at the moment. So if you got a all in one group and you threw one kunai against it, it would down the shields 
burn them alive and um, melt strip them. the armor. Yeah, right. Strip the armor. So if it was a machinery boss, you get rid of the, the the shield and melt them. If it was a human boss, you get rid of the shield and bend them to a crisp. Oh, and it did and, um, slag damage, which slag damage increased, as well, which increased all elemental damage. So it just it was this horrific little throwing knife fun factory for me. And you again, you could do it so that, especially courtesy of um, your class mods and certain things that you could do. I think within the bar, the badass ranks mm-hmm. thing um, was that you could really kind of minimise the downtime between uses of your skill. So again, you just kind of skip from area to area everything into one sort of tightly knit bowl and then go invisible and throw some pointy things at them and watch them explode and die. <laughs> I loved Zero. You, you turn Zero into Shinobi from the Mega Drive game mm. <laughs> and things explode. Yeah. There was also, I remember another build that I saw someone else rocking. I never did it myself, but it was with the Siren Mayor. Mm. And it was, it was her skill was called Phase Lock and she was a siren. Mm. And she would send out a ball of energy. Now you could track enemies into it and do constant damage. When you did that, you could add bonus elemental damage. You could res people at the same time, but you could also balance that with any projectile you fired out did all elements all in one go. So you could set them all being dragged towards this phase-locked orb, while the rest of them that aren't being killed from that, you're killing with every element in one go. But on the flip side of that, you could turn it into uh, a healer, the medic of the group. So when she shot you, she'd give you health, which was really odd. And you could also res people with the orb, which was brilliant. I never played too much of Maya. Um, She was very overpowered if you set it up right. Maya was obscenely powerful. She was a beast. And if you didn't play as her, you have missed out, frankly. I know you devoted a lot of time to uh, Gage. Mm. Um, I, I was just trying to make the build myself, and it took a long time to figure it out. Really, you, I feel you've missed a trick not playing enough Siren, because she was just uh, outright... Well, I mean, it's easy, because once you know the builds for each of the classes, they all become outright murder machines, but mm. Maya was just... You could solo everything in the game so easily with her. So, so good. So there's there's, there's one more... St- not build, but skill I'm going to mention to do with Borderlands. If you don't say Anarchy next, you're in trouble. Anarchy self-explanatory. I don't need to explain it. It's to do with pre-sequel, actually. Mm. And I got a feeling you're going to smile at this one. Now, me and my friend Ike, we we played Borderlands pre-sequel, and it was his first time playing through, and he played as Wilhelm, mm-hmm. right? Which, as you advance up the skill tree, you augment yourself so you look more robotic, because it's all about skills and augments. And we figured out a little trick we could do. Now, I was playing as Nisha, her unique class skill is very insane, if you know how to use it properly, especially with certain weapons. 
Ike figured out down one of the skill trees as a specific skill you could use that he could trigger at any point. Or more importantly, I could trigger at any point because I was playing co-op with him. Now with Wilhelm, there's a, there's a skill where if you go into fight for your life mode, you trigger an explosion of nuclear proportions. Mm. So essentially set up a nuclear bomb. I couldn't indirectly damage him because you can't when you're playing co-op. But it doesn't mean I could that I couldn't have thrown a grenade or shot a rocket near him. So when we were playing it and we got certain bosses, he'd run right up to the boss, right next to it, start firing, giving it everything he had, and I'd throw grenades at his feet. At which point, when he went to fight for his life, he'd set off this nuclear explosion, which most of the time killed the boss in one go, then I'd run up and res him. And we were playing that on console as well, split screen. So that's how we did it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, we 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 even took out the the last boss doing that mm. very quickly. Mm. All three stages of the fight were down within ten seconds. I've I've got that was my honourable mention for like Borderlands, but I've, there's there's a different specific game that you could you could do certain things on it that made it a lot easier, but it took a bit of doing. One of them was in Final Fantasy VII, mm. the original, not the remake, and you got. A materia if you found it called final attack okay yeah and final attack what it does is if all your party's downed you would do one final attack and then it'd be game over now most people they set it to revive um or do like a really awesome summon and if you killed the boss it would let you pass the battle because you killed them hmm. some battles other battles it wouldn't now one of the things that I saw someone do was there's a, a specific Titan you had to take down. It was part of the story mode. I think it was Emerald Weapon. It comes walking out the sea, right? And you had to either delay it or kill it. Now, one person, I saw a video, and they set it up, their materia, their characters, where they they set it up to have it linked to the summoned Phoenix down, which raised your party and did flame damage, to a point where he said, this is how I've set this up. And he started the battle, and he put the pad down. And seven minutes later, the battle was over, and he didn't do a damn thing. Because his MP was through the roof with all the characters, and he he mastered it once, so he had two of them. So one person would do Phoenix down, another person would do... It was either Alexander, or they had Ifrit, or Chocobo Moogle maxed out or something. Hmm. So they do a really powerful summon. They don't have knights around at that point. And then they would do Phoenix down. I like it. I'm still, I'm still a great fan of Knights uh, of the Round and Mimic. Yes, Wait, <laughs> once and then the other two were just Mimic. Yeah, yeah. that was it. Yeah, that was the move. Knights oh. of the Round. Thank you very much. And Mimic on everybody else. Job done. Yeah. So to sort of to have that and to be able to cheese a boss just by putting a pad on the floor, it's just it was it was brilliant being able to see that. But going from like the original to the remake, there is a particular materia that you get. You sort of you get one of it, and then you can find another one, and it's called uh, chakra or chakra, however you want to. It, it says a C, so I'm saying chakra. Um, and it's the character Tifa has it, and what it does is you cast it, and then whatever damage you deal, you get a set amount of HP, set a percentage of that HP back. And because she's a very scrappy character, she's a martial artist, she uses her fists very fast, you can regain health very fast doing that. That's not exactly a, a build, but it can definitely help. 
<laughs> along with other skills, um, considering that Final Fantasy plays more like Kingdom Hearts now, that sort of style of gameplay. The remake does anyway. Um, the, the, you sort of builds. I mean, it, it's sort of personified in other games. World of Warcraft is one. You've got sort of like different assigned roles when it comes to sort of builds. You've got tanks, so they're the ones that run in, stand there, and they take all the damage. You've got like healers and buffs, the ones that keep out of the way of the the damage and sort of, uh, out of the way of the battle and just like give you heal you, give you attack, defense up, that kind of thing, res people. You've got um, support, which is not exactly healing, but it does all the buffs, so you can have two separate ones if you want. Then you've got um, DPS, that's the one. So they're the ones that do the heavy damage, heavy, heavy damage, but they don't stand in the way. So those are the ones that you can do. And the ones that I tend to go for in any game where there are builds is either I have a bit of fun with the joke builds, so the the uh, nerve explosion that G was rocking um, and saying earlier. Hey, man, my builds are no joke. Well, they're just No, they're not, not, they're not serious, but they're also very trolly in their own way. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I tend to try and go for the builds that are very low input and I don't have to think too much about it, which involve a lot of grinding to get higher levels and better gear especially in Diablo 3, but it's one of those where once you've got some of those and it's starting to work, it's literally just one or two buttons and things die around me. Mm. That's what I tend to do. I'm, I'm very lazy when it comes to stuff like that. Unless building up to a set point um, when you're playing it has a massive payoff. I don't mind doing them, but I won't do them builds that often. But I tend to try and have it where it's a li- as little input as possible because most of the time the builds I'm rocking, I'm right in the middle of melee or right in the middle of it and I have to be aware of my health. So I've got to know when to jump back. So I've got two buttons and I'm looking at my health and then I dodge out the way and then I come straight back into it, you know, guns blazing. That's my type of gameplay. I'm either covering someone, running into res them or being the reason why people are firing. <laughs> That's what I like to do. If I can, um, or being able to facilitate that, but yeah, it's that's that's the kind of thing that I do in uh, games that facilitate builds. I'm not really sure that I have a specific set sort of pattern of behaviours. You mean apart from trolling people? Well, I mean, obviously there's that, but uh, um, no, um, I suppose it possibly it um, it's maybe down to per franchise even borderlands in particular is a fun game and so i play it for fun diablo you're supposed to be designing a a god killer so why not make it entertaining along the way but then within the somewhat more limited framework not necessarily limited but within the somewhat more um controlled framework i would say of games like Mm. destiny where you have three classes they have three elemental attunements for their supers um which then directly affects their skills as well um but a relatively limited um skill tree insofar as if you have all the um dlc then you have access to per element 
three different supers or variations on super um, for that element. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different ways to play it, courtesy of your um, the exotics that you particularly choose. Because within Destiny, Destiny was a very well Destiny two. I had I not played Destiny until I had already played Destiny two, um, because I didn't have consoles. So um, it was a very rude awakening for me when I got my first and then second exotic armor and weapon pieces um, and went to equip them alongside my original exotic armor and weapons and was told, no, you can only have one yeah. of each. And that, I was used to Diablo. Equipping what you like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where you, you can just have everything is the top tier. Everything is the, the Diablo equivalent of exotics. And then armor sets on top of that as well. Um, was just, it left me somewhat crestfallen initially. But because of the way that they have built the uh, fire team structure, that in itself is a fairly constrained sort of unit. Yet for most of your fire team activities, it's only three players to a fire team. So there is often, I think, uh, a more sort of pragmatic use of the character there. There are certain ways that you can just tart about and be hilarious. Most often, it's the hunters. <laughs> uh, the hunters are the ones that often will just be dancing around the battlefield, punching things once in the face and moving on. Um, particularly with relation to events that I have seen taking place within Destiny 2's Guardian Games event at the minute, or at time of recording, mm-hmm. um, going through trying to um, use your skills to generate these seals, laurels, that you have to pick up for your victories. Um, so you have to generate them using your super, using your grenade, or using your empowered melee skill. Now that would be fine, if not for the fact that one of my teammates was playing a hunter using a specific kind of shotgun with a specific kind of um, exotic, which essentially enabled him, once he'd killed one thing with the shotgun, with the, the melee, he would one punch essentially everything. And he was playing it with melee purely in mind. So the hunter has um, his class skill is a dodge ability, which if you play it one way, you will fully reload your weapon just by dodging. And if you play it the other way, you regain your melee ability just for dodging near an enemy. And so he was dodging into <laughs> enemies to get his melee back, and then going, poke, and they die, and he dodges into the next one. <laughs> and then the next one, and then the next one. And so you're trying to do your bit. I mean, I play as, um, as Bungo have recently started calling them that floaty class, <laughs> i.e. the warlocks. Um, I, I was playing as a warlock when running through these strikes with my friend, and he was playing as a hunter, and it was just a sea of hunter laurels laying on the floor and the occasional like there's a warlock <laughs> one there's a titan one from the other guy it was it was ridiculous 
absolutely ridiculous. Um, they have acknowledged that they are some of the classes are not behaving as mm-hmm. they should properly at the moment. That doesn't make it any less hilarious <laughs> if you're playing as that character. But I think um, because of the game systems for Destiny, then there's a, there's a little more focus on utility rather than flair mm. with the way that you play, um, which has its own rewards, obviously. You don't tend to go down as often, and if you do, then the team is working in a manner designed to kind of cover each mm. other and to work as, as that sort of cohesive unit. But um, with the sort of broader uh, skill systems from RPG games or more full RPG games, because Destiny 2 is to a point an RPG as well. Um, but with those broader um, skill systems, then there's definitely a, a lot more inclination and freedom to what do I fancy doing today? <laughs> you don't have to worry so much about being valuable as having fun with your builds. So that's my take on it anyway. Okay, cool. Um, so here's the one thing I'd like to know, right, is how do you happen upon these builds? Is it more a case of just... I'm playing around with the equipment that I can attach and all of the buffs and skills that I can learn? Or is it a case of, oh, somebody said this on the web, I'm going to give it a try and see what happens? Certainly my experience with Borderlands as a franchise has been, um, it can be a mixture of both of those. It's aided by the fact that there is an online external skill tree generator so you can actually run through, you can set your character level, um, and then that will determine, obviously, the appropriate amount of skill points for that. And you can then pick and choose with no constraints which skills you want to look at and see how those buffs, debuffs, perks, etc., all play into each other. And you can calculate very, very um, deliberately the way that you are going to make that build. Um, Whereas in the game, if you wanted to do that, you would make your build, you would then have to reset, which costs you cash, which Mm. is a pain. Not so much of a pain by the time you get to high levels because you just forget to spend money most Mm. of the time. But certainly while the actual construction of a character is a thing, then uh, it's a lot more freeing to be able to sit outside of the game not worry about anything not worry about your friend being a dick kiting enemies <laughs> back to the machine that you're stood at uh, which is entirely possible uh, not that i've ever done that ever honestly and um, not naming names and not pointing at me at all <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah the 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 external tool of that skill generation uh, that skill tree um examination was very valuable for me. Um, it's probably enabled me uh, a greater understanding, certainly in um, the second game, which, again, I was a kind of a late adopter. I got Borderlands just as Borderlands 2 was coming out, and I'd already pre-purchased Borderlands 2. Um, I knew it was a good game, 
Um, I knew from Squidge. I knew from people I was working with at the time. Um, so I was, you know, I was suitably hyped, as the as the youth upon the street are wont to say in their parlance. And yeah, it, it was something that really definitely helped me with um, the construction of my uh, Borderlands 2 characters. Uh, I was a lot more grounded by the time we got to pre-sequel, and now I'm really comfortable with, um, what's it, Borderlands 3? Mm. Oh, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> what a leap. Borderlands 2, Borderlands pre-sequel, Borderlands 3. So that definitely helped me. There are a lot of experienced players um, and regular um, YouTubers and Twitch players now um, that have really kind of built a fair percentage of their following, certainly across YouTube, with specifically kind of bringing builds and... um, ways to implement and exploit kit uh correctly mm. uh, that's like the main part of their channel their 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 style of franchise i suppose um and with characters that i've played less of across various franchises um looking at you roland and axton <laughs> I find that I mean they're they're good characters, and I know in particular Axton has some astonishing builds in his own right. Mm. Um, but I just find them really bland as characters mm. rather than play. They, they you know they they are kind of they're the, they're the vanilla for me. Yeah, beginners. Uh, yeah. Um, so with characters that I've played a lot less of, such as those, then I've, I've definitely I've looked at builds from videos rather than maybe sink as much time into directly researching it myself. Mm. Because, you know, I wanted to get a feel for what they could do rather than often because I felt they were so meh, I, I would leave them till last when I'd already played thousands of hours with the other characters mm-hmm. so by that point i wasn't as invested in the story experience i wasn't as invested in hearing their voice lines because i'd heard them from other players who were playing those characters um but yeah i i've definitely within borderlands pretty much every iteration has had an, an online skill tree that you can look at and just tweak, have fun with, see what you can come up with. Mm. Once you have a better understanding of the loot that's available, um, specifically legendaries or exotics or whatever they are within that particular franchise, Mm. um, then it becomes a much more sort of detailed game a Mm. lot of the time. Um, And in terms of looter shooters, that's often your main sinkhole is actually just trying to farm that one god roll of that one weapon from that loot pool of two or three hundred items. I remember my stupid elemental arrow bow took, I think, nearly three months for me to get the first one. And then within the space of a month, I'd had about 
I, I think I was averaging two or three a night mm. at one point. And it was like, where were you all those weeks back? Sod lore, innit? You wait yeah. so long for one, then you find about yeah. 76 of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my demon hunter with um, one quiver that I was desperately searching for. Desperately, desperately searching for. And I have given away so many of those. I think I gave you one, didn't I, Squidge? Yeah. Yeah, I remember um, that. definitely. And and at one point, playing with another one of my friends, I think I gave him three in one night because I kept finding better ones. It's, just, <laughs> it's often it's the case where I mean it's as much down to in terms of I know certainly within um, Destiny as an example, a lot of weapons are in the sort of generic loot pool. But until you have actually picked one of those weapons up from a, one of the lucky random drops, mm. um, then it's not actually within your loot pool. Mm. Um, so just finding a weapon then ups your chances of refinding a weapon. Yeah. But it's just getting them sometimes. Mm. <sighs> I mean, when, when you talk about like builds in games and stuff, even if it's like RPGs or not RPGs, what you're essentially boiling it down to is how can I make my character so overpowered or at the right level where I don't, I just have to worry about the battle and not really survival. So you're talking about the combination of skills or tactics you need to fight whatever it is effectively to a point where you're, especially in some games, given half at least half a chance of dealing damage or effectively winning. So prime example of this is uh, what I tend to do is I give the game a go myself and I get a basic feel for the character and how it plays. Then I have a good look at the skill tree and I try and figure out would that work well with that, would that work well with that. So I give it a go myself. But you have games like um, Torchlight and Torchlight 2, you can sort of figure it out as you go along. But you have other games that are Diablo-esque. So you have like uh, Van Helsing, which you've got to know going in roughly what you want. Because you can respec, mm. but the game is you can't really go back and grind to get XP. So you've got to know as you go along what sort of what, what you're getting into, what sort of build you want. But it's not limited to RPGs. You could have like action games where. Uh, or different types of games where you think this strategy would work, or this certain item would work, or getting this weapon early on would work. But the problem is, if you don't know going in that the weapon's there or how to get it, mm. you're going to struggle until some until inevitably someone says, oh, yeah, you just do that, and then you want to throttle them. You know, why didn't you tell me that earlier? So looking online is definitely worth it if if you want to have a heads up but just be prepared to know that people will quite happily spoil it. People will quite happily give you spoilers for the game if you're looking for stuff, especially if it's a game you're just picking up after it being out for a while. And most of the time, you don't get spoiler alerts in like guides you look up or videos you watch. They'll just say, once you kill this boss, thanks. You know, I, I, I wouldn't have known that. But trying to find, I mean, especially with Borderlands, you get pictures and say, these are the skills I've got. But then you're in a conundrum. You think, which ones do I get first? How would you build it up to be effective? Because mm. when you get to level 57 or 60, it's going to be effective and it's going to work. But as I'm going like 
through step by step every five levels what am i putting the skills on i found that very much the case with my creed build yeah Krieg in particular was one of those ones where it was very easy if you put the points onto his pyro skills part of his thing is he sets himself on fire mm. um which is great because it does tons of elemental damage and it increases your pyrotechnical uh your your incendiary damage which when you're running a flame of the firehawk is kind of a, necess- a necessary mm. thing but get it too early and you will just down yourself repeatedly yeah. um and so when i was making that build i that was the last tree that i went down mm. it, it's yeah working out the sequence is as much sometimes uh, a part of the battle as working out the build to start with yeah i found that more than anything youtube is a good place to go to especially for older games if you want to go into an older game and it hasn't had like a HD remake and you want to go in with the best chance of surviving. That's a good way of doing it. If you go on YouTube, they'll talk all the way with you and it'll be a step-by-step guide because that's how the old games worked. But I find that with the newer games like Borderlands, like Van Helsing, for example, Torchlight, Deathspank, anything like that, if you go to the community guides, if you're playing on Steam, in Steam, most of the time they'll give you a step-by-step guide on how to do it what to follow so especially with the steam overlay you know you've got the shift and tab or whatever it is equivalent on linux and mac you can have that up and it'll tell you at what point in the game to get what skill what help what kind of items you want with it to make it effective but again it's a case of the older games you'll find easier guides to follow because it's strict you can only do this that and then the other newer games no matter what you play whether it's an action game with rpg elements or you just want to get better equipment. It's more a case of you've got to go off the beaten track to get it or farm a boss for so long. But you've got to know what level to do it and what skills to have. It's it's not exactly RPGs. You know, it's limited to other things, and it's not exactly a build. It might be how to activate a skill or a certain strategy to fight a boss, like Metroidvania games. They're classic Castlevania, Metroid, you know, Symphony of the Night, like the Sym- Symphony of the Moon, whatever the hell it is, you know. It's it's not exactly the build. Sometimes you need to know how to do certain tricks or styles or strategies for fighting bosses, and it's not always evident. But sometimes mm. it's so simple how you fight a boss if you just know how to do it, but you wouldn't know how to do it normally. We're, we're quite lucky in that we've got internet on damn near everything, including the fridge, that we could search for these things for, and they're quite easy to find. So it's... You know, builds and strategies and certain unlocks and stuff. It's not limited to RPGs. You could do it in any game. It's just like yeah. little things in your arsenal to make the, the game a little bit either easier to manage or you become like a godlike character, you know, just bursting through things. So it's, it's by no way is it limited to RPGs, but it's, it's definitely helpful. And if you can't figure it out yourself, there's, there's nothing wrong with looking up for help. Just, I'd I'd say your limit is if you get a game and you look up everything about the game, how to play it in a build before you even start. That's going to heavily spoil it. But if you want to do that, then you know go for it. But I'd say give it a try yourself. You know more than anything. Cool. Um, okay then. Uh, so, I mean that was a that was an incredibly interesting conversation. I think all about the different builds and different games that you can do, buildings and stuff in uh, building different characters and stuff in because. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm 
as we record this, I'm starting my playthrough of Borderlands pre-sequel. And I remember when I played the first Borderlands, I would just literally go, oh, is this weapon that I've just found better than the weapon that I have? No? Okay, yeet, and carry on. Um, and uh, I think that, that you know a lot of the stuff you guys have talked about today is going to help me to figure out how best to grow my characters in that game as I progress through and try to get to the end. So, mm. yeah, I want to thank you both for that anyway, because that's really useful to me. I'm, I'm definitely going to cool. say I envy you going through that game with a fresh <laughs> pair of eyes for the first time. I really envy you. Because <laughs> if I jumped in that game, I know precisely what to do, where to get epic loot, how to kill bosses, and it'd just be like a run-through for me. You've got a fresh mm. perspective. I really envy you. Mm. Well, maybe we can maybe we can come back once I've finished it. I don't want to say... I said this to someone. Uh, I think I said it to Lulu, didn't I, when we recorded uh, not so long back. I said, well, let's circle back and put a pin in it, and pencils and things. But once I've finished Borderlands pre-sequel as one of the characters, we should totally come back and have another discussion about it, like um, what what I did, how I took, uh, what advice I took from this conversation. How much you hit pickle. How I, that's it, right? <laughs> <laughs> And how, how quickly I got the sweary shotgun and how many times I died before I oh. got the sweary shotgun. <laughs> definitely headphones when you get that. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even though a lot of it is self-censoring. Um, yes. Yeah. It's very insulting, if not sweary. It's very insulting. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. Well, like I said, uh, thanks for being on the show again, Jay. I really appreciate it. Always, always a pleasure. It's always fun to chat with you and... and talk about whatever's going on in the gaming world and what's going on in your world. It's it's mm. awesome to catch up with you. Squidge, it's always a pleasure to talk to you as well. Woo. So thank you ever so much. Um, and yeah, definitely, if you haven't already, check out the show notes in your podcatcher, whatever you're using to play this with, because if you're using an app of some kind, you'll notice that there is now a chapters tab and you can jump around in the conversation. But we'll also have a link through to the uh, the full show notes where it's usually me, but it might be me and Squidge for this one. I'm not sure I may need his help. Where we listen through to the episode when we're editing and we make loads of notes and then type them all up and they go up on there. We put loads of like extra stuff like links to stuff, embedded videos and images that we think are relevant and stuff. So definitely check those out. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show by heading to wafflytillers.rocks forward slash hour hyphen podcast. There's a load of buttons on there, one for each. Um, of the major podcast platforms and it just takes you straight through to it and it help they do something at their end to help you uh, to subscribe and stuff remember it's free to subscribe so it doesn't cost you anything other than the like second or so it takes to click a button but uh yeah there you go um yeah like i said all i can really think of to say is to thank you both for being on the show again because it's awesome yeah it was okay <laughs> <laughs> An acceptable waste of time. Yes, I'll. I'll, I'll yeah. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. <laughs>
Spoiler Break music is Spectrum Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Palette Cleanser music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Daguet. See the show notes for more details. The Waffling Tailors podcast is a proud member of the J&J Media Network. To find out more about J&J Media, head over to jayandjay.media or check the show notes for a link.